Blade and Mickey 104.5 The Zone. That's the sound of Blaine. That, whoa, that was Blaine Bishop. Because we are at strikeout wings. And Blaine's like, uh, what's the hottest thing y'all got? There is a nuclear-covered wing here amongst all the bones of the other wings that you've eaten. He asked for bread. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, I want to have some bread just in case. <laughs> this is the hottest thing, you know, hottest wings in the state of Tennessee. So I'm about to try it out. Okay, well, we got fire department on hand. We got uh, EMTs. Buck Rising's about to join us. Buck is ready. Blaine is, Blaine. Is, okay. <laughs> okay, the hitman has been hit by this way. Uh-oh, he says. That's the hottest thing I've ever had in my life. This is a man who everywhere we go, he gets the hottest thing. He is currently, as Lucas Panzeca. Right, I'm going to finish it, though. Okay. Boy, y'all trying to kill me, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm starting to sweat. Oh, my God. <laughs> Strike out, Blake. All right, we got to get Blade some more water. We may have to uh, bring a fire hose in here and, and hose him down. He's got steam what, coming what, out of his ears. What is in that ring? We got to get to the, 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 the owner here. What, what is in that? Okay, yeah. we have. we have. It's the secret sauce. None of your business. <laughs> Is this the strikeout sauce? Is that okay? Okay, this is tough. Okay, Lucas Panziga is over here just pounding one of these things after another like oh, a crazy. He's person. got ice water though. He does. You got some ice? You have to have a milk truck show up down here for Blaine. Uh, I, I understand. He's asking ice, ice baby. All right, so I, I need some ice, man. Twenty-five, twenty-one, Nolensville Road, strikeout wings. Bunch of people have come in. There's already Bills fans who are hanging out. They came in earlier, but they're gone now, so you can feel safe here, Titans fans. It's a safe space. They all took pictures of Blaine before they left, and now he is eating the hottest wings in the house and uh, knocking them down with some bread. Those Bills fans, they all took a picture with you before they left. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those mafia, man. They said they're going to the game, too. They're not jumping off tables no. until they win. I was worried they might break some of these tables in here, but they were very civil. They just ate their chicken wings. I mean, buffalo wings, these people know chicken, and they come to strike out wings. So that should tell you that this is where you should be coming. Two locations, 2521 Nolensville Road, also uh, 123 Ewing Drive. A buddy of mine's already texted me and said that is his spot where he goes all the time, my friend Jason. Uh, our friend Buck Rising joins us now. Uh, fresh off a haircut, apparently, blowing us off earlier. Courtesy of our friends at Two Rivers Ford, home of the non-commissioned salespeople. So, Buck, this ought to be a fresh cut on game day that you that you missed your appointed time with us earlier. I did not do that on purpose. They moved me up uh, about 20 minutes before they told me that I would be sitting in the chair. So I will blame everybody but myself, and I'm happy to be with you now. Oh, my. You sound like the UT fans did. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's it right there. <laughs> Everybody else but me. I just That's want to right. know about select select fans, by the way. So Buffalo fans are already down here on Nolensville Road eating wings. What percentage do you think of Bills fans of the sixty-eight and change thousand? What percentage of Bills fans do you think make it in the stadium tonight? Oh, I mean, at least half. At least half. Oh. They're all hammered. I just drove from the studio uh, to my barber shop. Um, through downtown, through Music Row, through Demumbrian, and uh, and close to Broadway, and it's I mean these people don't have jobs. I don't know what they do for a living. They're drunk <laughs> in the streets. They've been here for three days. Um, most people wa- are working at two p.m. on a Monday. Instead, there's no yeah I guess, but like I mean it's you know it's who's taking this much vacation 
in the middle of October. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. They're here. They're going to be there. It's. I don't blame Titans fans if it's half Bills fans, but it feels like it could be half Bills fans because these people are literally everywhere. I saw estimates anywhere between thirty and 40,000 from BNA, and that's got to be on the low side. Buck Rising joins us uh, courtesy of his own show, the Buck Rising Show, A to Z Sports, the install with Greg Cosell. He's everywhere. You'll find him everywhere. Yeah, no doubt, even at this barber. (laughs) Well, let's start off. The Bills have the highest scoring offense. We all know their numbers and everything else. So what are going to be the keys really uh, for the Titans' defense? That's more where I'm concerned. You broke up a little bit on me, Blaine, but I, 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 thought you, I thought I heard you say keys to the Titans' defense stopping the, the Bills' game. offense. Yeah. And, yeah, for It's for hard for me game, to talk. I mean, my, listen, my tongue is on fire. <laughs> well, it's you know, swollen. I, 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 I love you, but eating chicken wings while doing a live radio show is not conducive to good radio. I love no, you. No, that, that was doing a break there, Buck, so get your facts We correct. were on a break. And they gave us the hottest <laughs> – wing ever <laughs> lucas is sweating if i start talking like that then you know my tongue is swollen okay stay with Something me like buddy it's nice. gonna be okay all right keys for the titans defense to beat the bills i mean listen the the explosive plays are still a problem it's not just in the passing game or at least it wasn't last week you saw they were not disciplined in their gap assignments on defense whether it was the fault of rashawn evans exclusively or whether they figured out something on the left side of the Titans' defense that allowed James Robinson to go for 58 yards. They didn't do well against the run, and you can't have explosive plays to come on the ground and also through the air. So if your secondary is going to be banged up the way that we expect it to, they could, in theory, activate Imani Hooker at 3 p.m. today off of IR. He's been designated to return, but he's only been back at practice for a week, so I don't expect that to be the case. Christian Fulton is out. So I think that uh, I think that through Blaine's grunting and groaning, it's probably going to be something similar um, for the Titans' defense against the quarterback. That it's I mean he's insane. He's making off-schedule plays. Christian Fulton, their best corner, isn't going to be available to them, and Caleb Farley apparently is dealing with some kind of illness that Mike Vrabel said on Friday has cost him weight and strength, basically. So I don't know if I don't know what it's going to look like, but I don't know if it's necessarily the best time to be facing Josh Allen. All right, now go down the list. You made me just think of who is actually going to be playing. Of the big names, is Bud Dupree kind of go through who is going to be active for this game? Yeah, so it's un- Bud Dupree should be available to them. He was a full participant throughout the course of the week of practice, and they feel pretty good about his chances. Julio Jones is going to play in this game. A.J. Brown, I was told, is very much a game-time decision dealing with that illness, so we probably won't know until right up against that hour-and-a-half mark prior to kickoff uh, when they put out the inactives list. It's unclear what illness he's dealing with, whether it's similar one that Caleb Farley was dealing with throughout the course of the week that had him limited throughout throughout Friday's practice, but um, Bud Dupree and Julio Jones will be available I don't anticipate seeing Imani Hooker out there. It's probably going to be Dane Crookshank uh, at, alongside Kevin Byard. Well, I'm really concerned, Buck, about this game, and that is because the bot sure. told us on Friday that the last four games, Derrick Henry hasn't rushed for over 70 yards in any of those games. Against Buffalo. Yeah, against Buffalo. So, yeah. let's see what is going to be the recipe for the Titans to win this game. I know last game they won – and he only rushed for 57, 8 yards. They had some turnovers. The defense played really well. But if the defense just plays like it's been playing, 
I mean, man, are they, is Tannehill the recipe to, to win in this game? Well, the, I mean, listen, you're, you're not going to – they don't have weaknesses like this. It's not like mm-hmm. this, is not a, this is not a roster that can be taken advantage of. You're straight up going to have to beat the Buffalo Bills. And um, nobody but Pittsburgh has really done that. The recipe on offense, the only one, the only recipe they've had, their cookbook is not a very creative one. It's just run the ball with Derrick Henry in the odd third and forever uh, screen pass to Jeremy McNichols, which, oddly enough, works out pretty well. But we will see a closer version of what this offense is supposed to be with Julio Jones and, remember, Marcus Johnson playing in this game. He converted oh, critical right, third right. downs for them against the Jacksonville Jags. He will be a participant in this game. It makes me feel a little bit better about whatever AJ's dealing with and what if they are if they have to survive without him tonight. I do feel more confident in that wide receiving group because Ryan Tannehill does trust Marcus Johnson that way. So I mean the recipe is going to be what the recipe has been. It's going to be run Derrick Henry, try and get some play action passes off, and somehow find explosive plays that you haven't been able to find all season long. They have been really, really poor at getting plays of twenty plus yards down the field particular in the passing game, um, and it's something that they, they have to have on top of turnovers, which they haven't caused at near the rate that they did in 2020. Buck Rising hanging out with us uh, here, some bonus bucks, as we like to call it, when he joins us outside of his normal Friday window. Um, did Julio Jones seem surprised to you last week when he was asked about his own hamstring? And he just, huh? Hamstring? Oh, uh, yeah, I feel fine now. Yeah, well, no, he sounds like somebody who's uh, been a part of team meetings where the coaching staff is saying, hey, we don't talk about injuries, Bud Dupree, shut up. And basically, if they ask you about injury, defer, deflect, do what you got to do, but don't talk about your injuries. So uh, I don't know that he, I don't know that he seemed outright surprised. He seemed to be, uh, he was enjoying the, uh, he was just enjoying the line of questioning in a way that, I thought was funny. He seemed to be having him. Uh, he seemed to be having a little bit of a joke between him and AJ Brown at the expense of us poor media vultures. But uh, what I'll say is that they are <laughs> hamstring was the ruling, but given the fact that they didn't disclose any kind of injury during the course of that game when they sat him for basically the entire fourth quarter, I don't know how much stock to put in what exactly they've been telling us or what the injury report says. Yeah, this is an ongoing thing that will be worth watching. All right, before we let you go, uh, Titans have obviously struggled against really good defensive lines this year, and they've seen some. Maybe this is the best one they're going to see, and the deepest with the Bills. How confident are you in the ability of this team, Buck, to keep 17 upright against an onslaught of defensive linemen from Buffalo? I'm not. I'm not confident at all. I'm confident that Ryan Tannehill has to learn how to get the hell rid of the football because his protection – uh, has not been has not been there um, this season. It's just it's a shell of what it is supposed to be, and it's a shell of what it was last year. It's already been sacked twenty times on the season, and this is probably I would I would say that the Jets are right up there with this particular Bills front, but they're getting great contributions from oh a rookie pass rusher out of Miami. Um, yeah. uh, it's taking thirtieth <laughs> in the draft. Uh, he was uh, he was. He's looking really, really strong out there for all of the complaints about his lack of flexibility and stuff like that. They just put him out there on the edge. Miami was misusing him as a defensive tackle. Now they put him as an edge rusher, and he's causing all kinds of hell along at Oliver and uh, and many, many good Titan or excuse me, many good Bills defensive players that they can roll basically six and seven deep off the course of that front in a true platoon style pass rush. So. I'm not confident that the offensive line can keep him upright. I am more confident 
that the wide receivers can get separation with Julio back. That makes the quarterback's life a little easier, allows them to get rid of the ball a little quicker. And if Ryan Tannehill wants to hang in the pocket at this point through six games, it's to his own detriment because that has not been a good idea this season. Well, Buck, we appreciate you hanging out in our pocket here for a quick segment on this uh, Monday Night Football Monday. And we'll talk to you, I guess, as well in the normal time on Friday. So it's a bonus Bucks week with Buck Rising. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you guys then. Enjoy the game. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, Buck. Buck Rising as we eat chicken wings at Strikeout Wings 2521 Nolensville Road. We'll be here until 3. Come by and see us. And if not, then just come by here later and get a giant box full of everything they make and then eat them tonight for the football game. Uh, strikeout wings, two locations here in 123 Ewing Drive in Nashville. Both of them just the best wings in town. We are loving it here, and we're going to be here, and we're going to be talking to Mike Wilson. Let's try to get into whatever the heck happened in Knoxville, Tennessee on Saturday night with uh, Mr. Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel next on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Lots of football talk today. It's Monday night football time tonight, so here's what you do. Just keep it on The Zone the rest of today and all through tonight. You'll get all the Titans action. You'll get all the buildup. You'll get the Lee Company countdown to kickoff. We're at Strikeout Wings. By the way, they have brought us like three of everything, and everything is delicious. I officially recommend everything on the menu. Mike Wilson said to join us now from the Knoxville News Sentinel. He is at by Mike Wilson on Twitter. Mike. As we understand, while we're here eating chicken wings, there are some measures that have been handed down for the University of Tennessee. Is that correct? Yeah, the SEC announced maybe 20, 30 minutes ago. It's going to be fined $250,000. Hey, Joe, if you can uh, control okay. this. We Mike, have we got you there, buddy? We're uh, we're having a little trouble hearing you. Still nothing. Our oh, Wilson dropped. Oh. He's still looking for that bottle of mustard, apparently. Oh, oh, okay. Maybe that's where he was going to get it. Maybe it is. Someone told him they had a location. <laughs> so we will get Mike Wilson on momentarily. There's a lot to unpack from that game. But uh, what did he? Uh, I think uh, Danny White came out with a statement. Danny White has a statement. Also, I was trying to get – there's like 8 million things moving. This is like being on the subway just flying through the night here, all the, although it's the afternoon. But uh, the penalties have been handed down to the University of Tennessee. What? Yeah. Got here, hold on. Danny White's uh, Twitter handle? You put it out there on that? No, he didn't put it out. Um, oh, well, football. Here, let's see. Tennessee football? Uh, Tennessee penalized. Here we go. I uh, saw this. Uh, our Trey Wallace uh, with the information here. They got fined two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Which just know this. Yeah, I mean two hundred fifty thousand dollars is in the couch cushions, you know, over there. So it's like okay, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay, what else have you got for us? So the fine is two hundred fifty thousand. Okay. They have to review and update athletic department game management procedures and alcohol availability, which you hinted at this earlier. They're going to say everybody was drinking. and well, Okay, they have, to, they have to review all that to prevent a recurrence. Uh, then they have to show that they've, uh, I guess, done all Okay, Mike Wilson is back with us. Mike, let's take another crack at this. Blaine and I were trying to run through. We just saw these the penalties for Tennessee. But it's like a monetary slap on the wrist and, I guess, like, you know, review your alcohol policies is kind of where we are now. 
Yeah, more or less. And I think you guys were kind of touching on it. The, the SEC like still, still revenue have... distribution last year was roughly $45 million per school. So that's where Tennessee's fine comes out of. So it's not exactly a, a hefty amount. Um, and yeah, as you were saying, Tennessee kind of has to review its in-game policies is, is being required to, to use all the footage and TV broadcast stuff possible to try to identify individuals, which, you know, I was down in the field during that. There were hundreds of items all over the place. So, I mean, picking out the people who did that isn't exactly a simple task. So uh, I get it. It's an about face. It's a, a necessary thing, but um, you know, in the end, I don't think it, it changes a whole lot of what, what game days are going to look like at Tennessee. Mike Wilson, our guest, uh, loud and clear, we're hearing you now. Uh, let me ask you this before I hand you over to Blame. Did anybody ever understand what happened on the scoop and score play where the officials just kind of stood around with their thumbs up their fannies and then said, oh, uh, yeah, his forward progress will stop? What happened? I'm not sure that there's a great answer to that at this point. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Somebody heard a whistle, right? <laughs> Uh, I didn't hear a whistle. Uh, to be fair, it was a very loud environment on Saturday night, so I could understand if somehow it was missed, but that certainly was a bizarre thing to, to see happen from the press box because two officials are running down the field with Tyler Barron. Uh, looks like a live ball by all, all viewpoints. Uh, and then some of the officials confer and, and decide it wasn't. Um, and I know that that's certainly been a, a thing that caused a lot of displeasure there, and that certainly factored into the way things happen at the end of the game. I, I think it's Important to note that, that those actions weren't isolated to a 4th and 24 uh, reception and review. There, was, there were other things during that game that certainly riled up, uh, riled up the fans. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mike Wilson joins us here on Blaine and Mickey at by Mike Wilson on Twitter with the Knoxville News Sentinel. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on, man, <laughs> during this time. Uh, man, what a great atmosphere. Let's start off with a good uh, – Man, it was so electric uh, with the checkerboard and the light and everything else. Were you actually at the game? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that was as loud and as big of an environment as I've seen. And in, in, this is my fifth season covering Tennessee, and obviously most of those seasons have been pretty bad. Uh, but that was a, a pretty special environment uh, on Saturday night between the checker new and uh, the sellout crowd, the night game, uh, light show, kind of everything they had going with it. That was a pretty great environment for a football game. So what was uh, – has anyone asked Joe Milton what he was thinking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I was what standing was in that thinking? corner. Yeah, I was standing in that corner, and he basically ran right toward me. And my first thought is, I need to back up. And then my second thought is, why is he running? Um, I mean, it's it just a completely befuddling decision. Uh, I mean, by the time he had dropped back and kind of scrambled around a bit, I think he was around the 30, 35-yard line. Uh, and he ran straight toward the sideline. You're not trying to move the chains here. You're not trying to cut a third down in half to make it a manageable fourth down. It's the final play of the game, man. Throw the ball 100 yards straight up in the air if you have to, but under no circumstances, run with the football. Yeah, well, that was the in play. Naturally, there was a lot of things that happened in between uh, that, and one of them was defense, as well as they played, they still couldn't stop Matt Corral. So, did they spy Corral? I mean, did they ever do that, or did they do it just a couple times and they still were able to – he was still able to run the football, man. His stats were off the charts. Yeah, early on, Tennessee didn't seem to spy him. They definitely did it more later, but Ole Miss did a good job getting a blocker uh, on the yeah. spy, and Matt Corral yes. also is pretty shifty. Uh, that's a, 
a key thing there. I thought Trayvon Flowers had a, a great comment in the post game when he kind of got asked about that uh, and how, how Matt Crow ran against them. And he kind of answered the question and said, that's a really good player, by the way. Uh, and that's, that's what you saw. I mean, that's a guy who, who can beat you in a lot of ways. And he didn't beat Tennessee with his arm. I mean, he, he beat them on the ground. And it, we were joking about it in the press box. You know, every time Ole Miss is in the third and long, we're like, all right, quarterback draw. And then he converts it and moves the chains. Uh, he, was, he was an absolute beast on the ground. That's the worst when you're on defense. And they probably knew it was coming, too, and they still couldn't stop it. He's just that good, man. He, he, we might have been watching the, the Heisman uh, candidate uh, who probably will win it. Uh, not sure if that will happen. But, man, he, he was pretty impressive without two of his uh, starting receivers and I think one of his uh, linemen maybe but as well. How concerned are you with Tennessee and their offensive linemen issues after watching that game, because they were beating them with a three-man front. I mean, and they had five guys, so they still were getting pressure. Yeah, and the offensive line is – I was not sold on it early in the season. I thought they played better uh, when it came to that, that Florida, Missouri, South Carolina stretch. And, uh, right, the Mays brothers. That unit, right. The Mays brothers, uh, Cade left early. Cooper did start, but he, he was out of that game pretty early as well. At least he was listed as a starter. Uh mm-hmm on the participation sheet. So those guys were out. And Tennessee really, truly is one deep on the offensive line. I mean, they listed two deep, but they're one deep uh, at those positions. And uh, with Cooper having been out, Cooper Mays being out at center, they've shifted Jerome Carvin over there for a while now. Uh, And Ollie Lane, who was probably a third stringer entering the preseason, has been starting at guard. And and Dane Davis was the right tackle the other day. I mean, that's the legitimacy of a patchwork offensive line uh, that it was just trying to hold it together. Uh, and certainly Tennessee had it shot still, uh, found enough offensive points to, to have a chance to win at the end. But, yeah, I mean, that, that unit's a concern uh, when you lose probably your two best guys uh, in both the Mays brothers. Well, I have to ask you one more thing, and that is, after all the fiasco of, you know, fans or whoever was throwing, you know, articles and things onto the field, what do you think can be done? It's not the first time it happened. Uh, maybe be the first time maybe, you know, the league does something or, or are they more focused on maybe the kids cramping on the field, the actual players, and trying to get something done there. Do you think anything in the rules is going to help either of those causes? You know, I don't really know what can be done in the end. Right. Um, so I was standing in that – I go down to the field typically at the five-minute mark, which is when we're allowed to, to go down there from the press box and – uh, so I was on the field as, as that all was unfolding. And as I figured the call was going to stand. It just looked like one of those that the, the ruling on the field was going to stand regardless of which way it had gone. So I had my phone out taking video, and I, I panned it over the student section right away because I've been to sporting events before. You know that people yeah. respond in certain ways, and that seemed like a way that that was going to be the response. Because even before the um, – before the officials announced it stood, there were a few things thrown at the initial call on the field as well. Uh, so you can kind of expect that, but I don't, I don't know how you control that. Um, I mean, you're selling beer and you're selling water bottles and those things can be thrown in the air um, in certain moments. So I, I'm not sure what can really actually be done, uh, which is why I get what the SEC did today. It had to do something. Uh, the financial thing doesn't hurt the fans uh, and all the reviews that Tennessee are gonna have to do might lead to a couple slight changes in game day policy, but in the end, I mean, things are going to look pretty much the same as far as I can guess. Going with Mike Wilson uh, with the Knoxville News Sentinel.
Has anybody tried to subpoena your video to identify the mustard bottle thrower yet? That's that's what I want to know. I, I just, and, and I'm not even – I mean, I'm mad. I don't want people to throw anything. I used to be an athletic administrator. I don't want that. I just want to talk to this person and go, I mean, did you not want the brown mustard that came with the smoky dog? I mean, did, well, did what you, about the golf ball? The golf ball guy, too. So the golf ball guy and the mustard guy, we just have other questions, Mike. Yeah, the, the mustard one, if it was indeed a, a bottle of mustard, which I've heard multiple theories on whether that was a, an emptied out mustard bottle converted into a flask, uh, if it was actually <laughs> like a mustard yeah. thing in the stadium. Some people said they got uh, off with smoky. Yeah. The, the theories are great, but the golf ball might be even more fascinating because who brings a driving range golf ball to a football game? You're <laughs> like, what? Like, what, what was the purpose? Is it a lucky golf ball that you've decided is unlucky now and that's why you launched it? I mean, there, there's no real rationale there of I needed to bring my driving range golf ball to Neyland Stadium on a Saturday night. And yet somebody did, and it wound up hitting Lane Kiffin, which, honestly, Mike, I think that dude walked in thinking and telling his buddies, this is going to hit Lane Kiffin before the night is over with. And he apparently did so with, with some accuracy. And you know, my, my biggest regret Saturday night, like I said, I was down there and when all that stuff's coming down. I picked, I had the mustard bottle for a few minutes. Uh, I, I scooped it up and I was like, I might keep this as a souvenir. This is fascinating. Uh, oh, so pop it in the back pocket. There. <laughs> I know. But the video proved that I was on the field, not in the stands. <laughs> um, so I popped that sucker in, in my back pocket and I was like, that's going to be my souvenir from today, but it fell out at some point. And my regret oh. is not, not opening it to find out if it was mustard or a flask. That's going to haunt me for a while, I think. Dude, this was like Fletch-level investigative journalism, Mike. I'm so sad now. I mean, what a story this could have been. Yeah, I mean, in the moment, I was just trying not to get hit. So, you know, it wasn't, wasn't so much thinking about the content as much as don't get domed by a water bottle. All right, uh, one non-Tennessee question for me, just because it is going on in real time. The Edo experiment, uh, well, it, it's not going to end abruptly. He gets to spend the rest of the year coaching and soaking up pay, and then he will get all of his money are you surprised at how ultimately quickly this thing crashed and burned? And who do you think is next? Man, it certainly is insane when you see a national championship coach from two years ago losing their job. But you know, in reading a lot of the reporting uh, from people on the LSU beat in the last 24 hours, you can kind of see how it happened. Uh, yeah. And just whatever the distractions are that you want to call them, whatever, whatever was going on. But, I mean, just watching the on-field product, I mean, you've seen it deteriorate um and there's no reason for that at a place like lsu with the level of talent you should always have there uh and with the, the access to more talent that you always have so it's understandable how that happens um i'm fascinated as i look at the search thing of just the jimbo fisher thing it's always that name is always there with those jobs yep. the lsu ties the scott woodward ties like all, all of those things um you always get that name there and just the financial element of that is so different than anything else. When it, I mean, his buyout, if I'm not mistaken, at A&M is obscene. Um, and his salary at A&M is also obscene. So the financial commitment that would take for LSU after just paying Coach O $17 million to, to get lost uh, is kind of mind-bending in a lot of ways. It's the SEC, man. Unlimited money. The faucet never gets turned off. Uh, the knowledge never gets turned off from Mike Wilson, and he joins us now here on Blaine and Mickey. Well, I have to ask you about, uh, you know, Hooker. I, I think the injury is, is pretty serious. Have they talked about anything about – I know they don't talk too much about the injuries, but uh, 
What were your thoughts on, on the injury? Did you see it in live on the sideline? Yeah, and it did look bad. I mean, he, he didn't seem like he could put any weight on it. Uh, it was getting helped off. Uh, Heifel said today he doesn't believe it's a long-term issue. Certainly didn't offer any indication of whether or not he thinks that Hendon Hooker will be able to play against Alabama. But, I mean, just looking at it, if it's even a, a question, don't play him. I mean, you've still got a month of season left to play after that. Um, and that, that would be my thought looking at the situation, that if it's even even a question of whether or not he's, he's ready to run, hold him out. He's got a bye week after that. Uh, gives him two weeks to recover if it's the type of injury that can be recovered from in that window. Um, so, yeah, no, no real firm stance, but it definitely looked bad. So hearing it's not a long-term thing is, is certainly good news for Tennessee. And real quick, you know, the refereeing at the game, being up in, in the, you, know, the, you know, the box up top before you guys came down talking amongst your, your uh, other media members, what did you guys think of the refereeing? You know, I try not to pay too much mind to it. Um, I, I don't think it's the healthiest thing uh, right. in, in journalism to get overly hung up on all, all the missed calls or right. um, maybe calls and all the in-betweens. But sometimes it is hard to ignore. Um, and certainly the, the big moment the other day of that, that touchdown being called back kind of inexplicably, you can't ignore that. Um, you know, you can ignore the misholding penalties because those go both ways throughout a game and, and things yeah, like right. that. But, yeah, that was rough. I thought there were a couple of spots that weren't great. Um, the, the Jacob Warren one at the end, understandably to me, stood as called because I didn't really see an angle or multiple angles that, you know, provided inconclusive video evidence or indisputable, whatever the, the exact language is on that. But, yeah, I mean, that, that crew – people kind of know that crew. I mean, they had some problems earlier this year with Mississippi State and Memphis. So I think going in, there was already an awareness of who the officials were and, and some problems they've had. So I think people are already paying attention to that. I think there was frustration too with the, the number of injuries and, you know, there's nothing that's done about that. Um, and that was a two-way thing as well. But yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff going on there Saturday. Yeah, Mike, it's, it's, it's sad because it's a fantastic college football game between two old-school SEC programs on a Saturday night in Knoxville, louder than, like you said, it had been in years that you'd seen it. And when it's over, we're talking about how poor the officiating was and some knuckleheads threw stuff on the field. I wish we were just talking about the game. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that in an season on this beat, that was the, the best environment I've seen at Neyland Stadium. Um, it's funny because – People have always told me how, how good that environment can be, and that's what, what Tennessee showed up with. And certainly that's a credit to the fans and, and also the product that Josh Heupel's been putting on the field because uh, that was a, a very good environment that, yeah, the final, final half hour of the, the game that day is, is going to be what's remembered. But, man, I mean, there was a whole lot of things that happened at Neyland Stadium on Saturday, that's for sure. A lot to unpack. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Sorry about the connection uh, issues early on. I think we must have spilled wing sauce on the phone lines or something. But uh, Kirby did. glad we got to talk to you, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Hey, good food is good food. Enjoy the rest of the day, guys. Yes, it, Mike. He is at by Mike Wilson, Knoxville News Sentinel. Uh, check him out on Twitter anywhere you can send the Knoxville News Sentinel uh, for all the latest coverage. When we come back, it is Monday Night Football Night. We'll finish up with some more Titans and Bills talk. By the way, if you're going to the game tonight, if you are going to the game, make sure you download the latest version of the Titans app from the Google Play Store, Apple Store. Prior to getting to the stadium, fans with outdated versions of the app cannot use their tickets 
on game day. Get the new app. We were reminding people all day. We will remind you again oh, before we go. What if I still have the flip phone? I, whoa. You may have some paper tickets, too. We'll be right back. <laughs> Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. One final segment from us. We appreciate, gosh, all the people who came by, even the Bills fans who came by, strikeout wings. So this is where you need to get your wings. So, you know, you may think there are other places. There are no other places. This is the only place now that you need to buy wings. And here's the thing. There just so happens to be a huge football game tonight. What goes better with TVs a huge – all in here everywhere. This place is full of TVs. That's the first thing they told me is we started from a food truck. We got two restaurants now. 2521 Nolensville Pike and 123 Ewing Drive, which I've already had a buddy who texted me, said Ewing Drive is his spot. They got NFL Sunday ticket in here. So we know that all of you listening, of course, are Titans fans, but maybe you have a second team as well. They play all the games here. They got plenty of room for you. We had four or five. I had four different kinds of wings. Oh, you yeah, had four and then a fifth oh, one. Yeah, that one was lit. <laughs> it <laughs> literally lit on fire. Yeah, they, they had to bring me some ice and bread. <laughs> Cool my mouth off. Blaine had a bread ice sandwich with his bread. And some, and some Kleenex to wipe my tears. <laughs> it's okay. It's happened before. All right. Uh, again, if you're going to the game tonight and you got your tickets on your phone, you have to have the new version, the latest version of the Titans app downloaded on your phone. It's a new app, the Titans app. It's required for you to get into the game. So update your app today through the Apple Store or Google Play Store, and then you'll be fine. Then you won't have any problems. Yeah. Zero problems. If you have a flip phone, you got the big yeah. box phone, the bag phone, whatever yeah. you got to do, update right, it. Right. Yeah. Bat phone. Yeah. Bat phone. Mm -hmm. All right. I, I was going to, okay, we got like four minutes left. But I thought about this all day. I just happen to have all pro safety who I do the show with every day. If you're new to the program, Blaine Bishop, the hitman, how in the world do you stop this quarterback of the Bills? Because he's their second leading rusher. <laughs> I don't he, know if you want to hear my answer. And you know this, Blaine, because when you, when you and me first started talking about this guy, even last year, like, his arm's as strong as anybody's. Yeah. So he makes all the throws. He can run like a deer. And he's huge. He's like a Sasquatch of a human who plays quarterback. How do no, you stop that? No, no. He is actually the king that can throw the ball. Oh, yeah, same he's, size? Yeah, yeah, he's the same size, and he, but he can throw the ball. Okay. Yeah, so he's that kind of dude. Now he's just not going to take, you know, 30 carries. <laughs> At least I hope not. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's Ooh. more food showing yeah, up. We These people are trying to kill us. Here, oh, my man. God. Ooh, what is this? Man. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be a fullback after I leave here. Well, I'm going to be full, <laughs> and I will be back. Oh, so. uh, yeah. Uh, man, I, I think you have to put pressure on them. I think if you go back and look at the last time the Titans played them last year, they had pressure on them, and he was feeling uncomfortable. And it felt some kind of way really throughout the whole game, even when he wasn't getting pressure. So once you start getting pressure and hits, even though he doesn't have the football, I think you want to make him uncomfortable. I don't know if they'll be able to do that, and I don't know if they'll be able to go one-on-one -on -one a lot like that with Diggs and Sanders and you know, uh, Knox from you know Nashville. I mean, so they have some weapons. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, you got to pick your poison, especially the way this defense is played. So we shall see if they can't get pressure since Dupree – supposedly, you know, practice. So I'm assuming that he may play. Yep. It was me. I would not be playing him because he got a short week because if his knee swells up, he's not going to play next week. Uh, but, KC. you know, but, hey, he may be ready to go. I'm not at their practice. I don't see him, you know, practice or anything like that. So they have to put heat. So now you're putting your, your guys out there on the island. Don't have your best corner, Bolton. He's out. He's out. So now you're looking to see what Farley, maybe he steps up to the, you know, playing and plays, you know, see what he can do. On national TV, 
you know, the pressure's on. Got to get out there because we know the league is built around uh, offense and <laughs> they're also having an advantage. So I really think that's it. You got to make it a one-dimensional game, stop the run and force him to throw the football and then get after him. Are you worried about, because we've seen mobile quarterbacks just escape the pocket and, yeah. and, and run out and, and serve, you know, be able to release it. Oh, he going to run and he going to be able to run or throw. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the risk you take. So you're going to have to take your shots. Just know there's risk with it. Yeah. Just, that's the way it is. Unless you want to make them be patient and make you dink and dunk and play a lot of zone behind you with your, just your four-man rush, which the, the Titans have shown that's what they want to do, really, is let their four guys get after the quarterback and then they play zone behind and let those guys have vision and make plays on the football. So that could be another form of attack. Well, he's only been sacked four, uh, five times this year. He's only been sacked five times. Three of those were in the first game. He's been sacked two times since then. Yeah, hey, I'm just no. give you an analogy real quick. Okay. Yeah, no. Tannehill was sacked more than five times in one game. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. See, and he had been sacked five times, more than five times this season so far. Crazy. The Bills are first in the NFL in takeaways, 15. They're first in turnover margin. They're uh, plus 11. Uh, they're the top scoring offense and the top scoring defense in the league. But here's the thing. Every week there's some matchup like this, and somebody goes, oh, this team's for sure going to win, and the other team wins. Titans are a good team. They get – hopefully A.J. is back. He's got illness. He was listed yesterday, but you do get Julio. Hopefully there's A.J. Still got the king. Maybe the offensive line continues to round into shape. They can give Tannehill a little time. I think Tannehill needs to run some tonight too. Yeah, I really believe Tannehill is going to be the key to winning this game. I don't, I don't know. At some point you got to know you can't always ride the yeah. I know that's their plan, that's their identity, but, you know, you got to be able to unleash any time. And if it's working, he's in rhythm with uh, his big-time receivers. I think you got to let it fly. Well, we got to let this thing fly. Uh, Titans Talk back presented by Lee Company. That's when we'll be back on with Kevin Dyson tonight. 3HL is coming up next. They got you covered with the Lee Company countdown to kickoff as well. Dyson, I think, going to jump in the mix with them. So they'll get you going all the way up until Mike Keith and Coach Mack and the crew tonight but guys it's monday night the bills mafia is in town tables are in danger it's time to tighten the heck up yeah and the titans always rise to the occasion in the big games against a really good team so we shall see tighten up tighten up strike out wings that's where you need to get your game food tonight hit them up we've had a great time here today thank you to them for being the most amazing host we'll talk to you after the game tonight i'm about to tighten up some of these wings word